Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are going to steal a bit of a bit from the PDO cast called the Watchability Rankings. Um, if you haven't heard, if you haven't listened to the PDO cast before, uh, first of all, I'll definitely recommend going to do it. It's a great uh, in-depth hockey podcast. That's now once uh, every day, actually. It's about 50, 50 minutes a day, uh, Monday to Fridays. Um, but it's uh, it's got a wide variety, I guess. But every, every year they do this thing they call the watchability rankings. And basically you just rank the teams from 32 to 1 in terms of if I'm a fan, what do I want to sit down and watch every night, given that if, you know, whatever teams are on. Um, and I always really like, enjoy listening to it. I found this year just personally listening to it, they got away a little bit of just the pure – when they first started it, it was just like – based on vibes, basically, is the best way I can put it, where, you know, they took in the um, um, color uh, commentators, stuff like that, you know, the the uniforms, they just like the look of the team. And and now, you know, it's a lot of in-depth, what player is good to watch, which is definitely useful, and I definitely have some of that as well. But um, we figured we would go through it. Uh, The way this is going to work, usually we would both have a list. Chase is more normal than I am. Chase does not sit down for fun to watch the Detroit Red Wings and Anaheim Ducks play on a Sunday like I did last night. Um, So I would definitely, I'm going to be the one with the list. I'm going to give Chase my list. He's going to tell me what he thinks about it. And then he's obviously going to bring, you know, just some insights from, is there anything from an analytical or a high value thing that he'd be curious to see when watching the game or, um, you know, just anything to keep an eye on with the team over the course of a year as well. So uh, we figure instead of doing two lists, we'll just, I've made a list and then Chase, I'll bounce off Chase, see what he thinks, get his opinions on the team and everything. And, you know, that'll just create some talking points. So um, without further ado, let's get right into the list. I have 11 tiers on this list. Um, the tiers kind of made it so I group teams together so we can speed this up a little bit, but also just because, um, as always with the ranking, I don't think it's definitive. Uh, just, you know, I, there's so much argument back and forth. And I will say before I get into mine, this is purely just based off of my opinion. So you're going to notice it's very heavily Canadian based. I do not have Ottawa at the top. I tried looking at it as a fan, <laughs> someone who wouldn't be a Senators fan because the Senators fans would like Senators games are number one for me. I try to watch every single one I can. And it's very rare if the Sens are playing, I'm watching a different game, but um, I do have them a little lower in the list. Uh, but other than that, it's purely just based off if I'm sitting down on a Saturday, what do I want to watch? So, you know, when I'm taking, doing this list, definitely teams that, you know, would be on Hockey Night in Canada came into effect to, to boost and stuff like that. So that's my one disclaimer. Um, let's start with the worst tier, the bottom tier. This is I have four teams in this tier and it's teams that are not good and I don't really want to watch. And team 32 is the Chicago Blackhawks. That's different than what I would have guessed 32 is, but okay. I'm assuming you're going to guess, would you guess the Coyotes as 32? Yeah. You have firsthand experience though, as of last week. I did. And it was awesome watching my favorite team just absolutely destroy them. (laughs) Um, I actually have Arizona at the top of this tier and it's kind of cheating because it's simply, I only want to watch them at home because I am kind of curious to see what playing in a college rink looks like on TV. Okay, that's fair. That so, that will actually be well cool in a sad way, but I'm like yes. morbidly curious. I don't really plan on tuning into too many Chicago, uh, San Jose, and Philly are the other two teams I have in this tier. Those three teams, 
I don't think there's too many times I'm going to sit down on like a Tuesday night and be like, hell yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks are playing. I'm turning this on. And Chicago, I have last, especially because I'm expecting them to trade Kane and Taves. And That's when that happens, they're last because like at least Kane is. Yeah. But like, I just, I think I'm going to wait until Kane gets traded and just watch wherever he goes post deadline. Oh, that'll be way more fun. But like, Kane is definitely the most exciting player in this entire tier. Um, yeah, I, I still have a soft spot for Eric Carlson personally. Fair. Which is probably the reason they are 31 because San Jose is also a horrid, horrid team. They are off to, I believe it's a one and six start now. Uh, they have just been disgustingly bad. San Jose to me feels like they should be a little more like just better than they are. Like they're not a good team by any means, but I would not have guessed that they would get out to a, Oh, they're two and six now. Good for them. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any team that's openly tanking is just never going to be high on these. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and then Philly, I have at 30. Um, I could hear an argument for them being last as well. I think they, they do have some good players. They're four and two right now. Mostly is I just don't really care to watch John Tortorella coach teams. I think he's an effective coach in getting every point you possibly can out of a roster. But like, even right now, people are praising Tortorella. Carter Hart has like a 960 save percentage. Yeah, which is obviously not going to last. I agree. Like a torts led team might be interesting for the drama. Like back when he was coaching the Sedines, like, oh, maybe this would be a train wreck or whatever. Tim and Philly is like, I'm sure he'll get like, an extra XG percentage out of this team. So they'll be at like 46 instead of 45 on the year or something like that. Yeah. Or even like towards in Columbus when they went all in, it's like, okay, I kind of want to like just see how this dynamic's working. Yeah. But yeah. On the flyers, especially early in the season, maybe, maybe this will be something we have to do again, come the deadline, like when teams are changing and stuff as well, because like, yeah, I just don't care to see a flyers team. That's probably going to finish 22 points out of the playoffs. And like, eighth last because they have torts coaching them like that just, i just don't care to see it they, they don't just they don't have any young guys either that's a big thing and this is a very common thing in this tier is that none of these teams really have any like standout prospects that are up which a couple of teams that i still don't find super exciting do have guys that i'm curious to kind of watch coming ahead here yeah yeah there's there's not my like i like travis connecting and all but i'm i've Never turned on a hockey game because Travis Konechny is playing. Exactly, right? Um, so, yeah. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, so I have Arizona 29 simply because I want to uh, see what their home building looks like, kind of. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I did get to watch them the other day. They played the Ottawa Senators. I can't remember the last time a Senators team dismantled someone that badly. Uh, it was just pure domination. Now, they were without both Schmaltz and uh, Chitron. So, taking, like, two of the only, like – I don't know, 10 NHL and two of the only like five for four good NHL players off that roster is uh, that's the result you're probably going to get usually, but yeah. Who's even left ghost and Keller. Yeah, it was about it. And like Dylan, Dylan Gunther as well. He scored yeah. a goal, which like, again, like that's a, that's a young guy that I'd be okay in tuning into, but yeah, just generally speaking, these are, these are four teams. I'm not really dying to go watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. there. Do you have anything else high level, low level on, on any of these teams? <laughs> no, all these teams are. It, it sucks with like the open tanking teams. It's like they're doing the, they're going to do a smart thing and they're going to suck and get a good draft pick. But 
yeah just really not worth turning into i didn't even watch the tanking leafs to be honest because life's too short to watch a team try to lose yeah i uh i'd say the same but i watched all three years (laughs) so and my brain wanted to explode because of it so i think you're definitely the smarter one here um all right next year i have two teams that are hashtag actually okay but i just can't stand to watch uh, one of them feels maybe a little low here, but uh, it's not this team. The 28th place on my list is the New York Islanders. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty pretty well in the camp of Islanders haters on this podcast, and that's pretty fitting. Yeah, and like I'm getting, honestly, this season it might be to the point where they're not even hashtag actually okay, and they're just bad as well. They've started the year two and four. They're on an L three. Um, granted, they do have a positive goal differential at two and four. Um, so it's not like they are getting absolutely just shelled in games or anything like that. Um, they have a 50 or sorry, 50% on the dock for four percentage. And so far this year and a, um, I don't know where they're expected goal 46 expected goal. So it's not like they're a good team. Uh, this team is just not uh, like a super fun brand of hockey, you know, like exactly. and I, that, that shouldn't be a hot take. I don't think to say either. Well, the worst two, and, and maybe this is the best for the team, but in terms of their watchability, I don't think it is. Um, everybody's like, oh, maybe Barzell's going to break out. No, no trots. He was great under uh, no trots. Well, they, they hired trots as like long time assistant. I kind of doubt he's going to be like, all right, we're playing run and gun this year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I will say Matthew Barzell is probably the most electric name on this list. Like even more so, I think, than Patrick Kane at five on five. Anyways, yeah. um, just like the At way he trained his career. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, with age as well. Like Pete Kane, obviously, would be more fun to watch. But um, yeah, and like Barzell has no goals, six assists in six games this year. Um, like, don't get me wrong, a point a game is great, but it's not like he's 15 points in six games or anything, absolutely lighting up the league. So um, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like this, I don't know, like this team, the, the best way to describe this team is they got like, Heart level goaltending last or Vezina level goaltending last year and missed the playoffs by 21 points. So still sucked. Yeah. Yeah. This is a team that I don't mind. Like I really do enjoy watching them play hockey in the playoffs at times, you know, like that physical, chippy, loud building style. But in the regular season, not too many matchups. I'm going to be like, yeah, I need to tune in the Islanders this year. Exactly. Because stakes make everything interesting. And they actually do one thing well where that defensive brand of hockey means games are always close yeah, but on a Tuesday night in November that's still boring exactly and they play transition really well where it's like like I remember going back to that 20 I think it was 2019 series where they swept the pens in the first round like that was a really good brand of hockey in terms of yes they played defensive but their counterattack style was just so much the pens couldn't handle it and it actually made for like an exciting brand of hockey it wasn't just let's just go neutral zone shell until neither team does anything. And then we'll surprise them. Yeah. Seeing the counterattack just fly the other way can be fun. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then the team that I think this might surprise some people, but it's just, I just don't find them exciting right now. Um, And that's the Nashville predators down at 27 on this list. It feels a little low, but this team, like you want to talk about defensive shell last year. They got PDO benders from everyone. They finished 19th in Corsi 4 per 60. Uh, and they had a expected goals 4 per 60 of 2.34, which put them 26th in the league ahead of only the Red Wings, Rangers, Sabres, Kraken, Coyotes, and Blackhawks. 
I just don't think this team's and like I think they're going to regress this year. You know, they so far early in the year they've been up a little. I want to say they're 19th in expected goals. Um, yeah, 16th in expected goals, four per 60. And when I say expected goals, these are probably going to be uh, four per 60 because I'm just talking about the offensive output. I would put a lot of the times like I want to watch offense. That's what's going to tune me into a game uh, randomly on a Wednesday night or whatever. Um, but yeah, so they're 16th. And then in Corsi 4, they are about middle of the pack, I believe. They're eighth actually. So like they have been better this year, but it's such a small sample size and their team got marginally better over the off season. I just, again, this is another team where I don't mind watching. I'll circle around again in the playoffs in the regular season, probably compared to some other, especially early anyways, I probably just won't care to watch them too much. Maybe this is a team that makes a big jump because they're, they're in a wild card hunt or whatever come uh, trade deadline time. But right now, while there's a bunch of new, young, exciting teams or whatever, I just don't find them that exciting. I'm with you on that. I, I'm never really compelled to watch them, although when they were playing the Leafs or whatever, I would. I really like watching Roman Yossi. He might be the most unique player in the league at this point. Yeah, I would say like... I would, I would say until Kale McCarr came around, like I think McCarr's a little more unique just in the terms of the purely way that I'm not afraid to use him, but we'll get into that later. But like Yossi is just like a fourth forward, basically. Like that's yeah. the closest we have to a fourth forward. Yeah. And he's even like, at least McCarr's good at defense. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sucks at it too. So like he's just truly, really strange. Yeah, exactly. And like I like they added, was it, you know, Nita Ryder this year, I believe. Um, yeah. Like, I that was a good addition as well. But, like, again, I'm just probably not tuning into Nashville games for Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, it's not uh, not that fun. Even somebody like Eckholm, like the spreadsheet hero. But, like, mm-hmm. watching Matthias Eckholm's neutral zone defense isn't what gets me to tune into a game on a Tuesday when I'm bored. Yeah, exactly. And, like, as much as I've always been a big UC Soros fan, I don't really care to hear the broadcast be like, do you know how short this guy is? He's a little shrimp. <laughs> Like yeah. 15 times a game because he's 5'11". The 5'11 midget that is UC Saros. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like, uh, but like, I, I, and I do like watching UC Saros. He's a great goalie. But um, yeah, yeah it, this is a, I think you, if you really want to move this team up past the next tier, which I have four teams in as well, you could. I just kind of kept them down here because there's no chance I was moving the Islanders. Islanders ahead of the next four teams. Um, but, you know, like these guys are one that could probably slide up to like, 20th if you really wanted but um yeah i just they're not the most thrilling of teams especially considering they are probably a team that has at least a 50 percent chance of making playoffs if not greater this year yeah and the part of it though even though they are like a playoff team like they're either going to come eighth or ninth like they're the most boring mm-hmm. kind of team where it's not even there's really no direction there or anything so yeah they'll, they'll come somewhere around the middle of the league they might come eighth they might pick you know 13th in the draft instead of that like just kind of yeah it's like in there with how top heavy the west is it's not even like oh you come eighth anything can happen they made a run as the eighth seed a couple years ago it's like no like they're probably just getting stomped against the avalanche or flames if they they come eighth or seventh yeah yeah they're just getting killed by the abs yeah just like what happened last year you know maybe it goes five maybe even six this year but that's about it yeah but uh, yeah. All right. So the next tier, I have four teams of probably bad, but could be exciting to watch. Um, 
bottom of this tier, we have the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is solely because of Johnny Goudreau, basically. Um, they do have a couple young guys that I'm interested to see how work with their team as well. Um, but if Goudreau was not on this team this year, this would generally be a team, I think, down in the 30s. Yeah, I could I could hear an argument for like literally dead last if Goudreau wasn't there this year. Because like the young guys I find interesting, I know you do too, but I, I couldn't imagine being like with our friends and trying to be like, hey, to some of the more casual hockey fans, like let's watch Cole Sillinger. Ken Johnson's playing tonight, boys. We got to turn it on. <laughs> yeah, because as much as they might be good players in the future, it's not like they're must-watch TV at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So like, this is definitely the tier of like, yeah, you're, you're probably not just being like, Hey, we need to throw this game on or anything like that. Or even, Hey, I want to throw this game on if you're with casual fans. It's, this is a team you're probably watching because you're just trying to like watch some hockey players and see how they play or whatever. Um, So I I do think they will play like (laughs) their decor is kind of bad in terms of like, they don't really have too many guys are good defensively and, like Erica Branson so bad that it just opens up a lot of offense, I think both ways. So I could absolutely see this team being in some high scoring games, which are at least entertaining this year. Yeah. Yeah. And good row, just feasting on the power play in those games, whatever would be cool enough. Yeah. And just him flying around the ice. Like he is a lot of fun to watch and obviously he's not healthy right now, but like watching Patrick line, can be a lot of fun too. Yeah. Just, just something. It's like, a horror movie when you know there's a jump stare scare coming at some point with line a where it's like anytime he touches the puck it could realistically be a goal which is always cool in and of itself yeah and it depends where he touches the puck it could be a goal at either end so which <laughs> yeah. again like kind of make if you're not if you don't have a rooting interest in the game kind of makes it fun as well yeah yeah it could be interesting nonetheless even if the fans are pulling their hair out yeah um, all right, at 25, this is, might be a little surprisingly low for some people as well. I, I just don't think this team's that good. And again, they do have some young guys, but it's the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I could see that. I like Zegras, but there's, there's less here than I thought there was going to be. Yeah, and like I was watching them play Detroit last night, and they were just getting shelled. It was literally just like how much can John Gibson try and stand on his head until this team gives up four goals? And Gibson's been getting filled in this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and like watching him, he's a fun goalie to watch because he's very all over the place. Like Carey Price, as for as good as he was in his peak, it wasn't quote unquote fun to watch because the reason he was so good was he's so fundamentally sound that he was <laughs> never in the wrong spot, right? He was, he was the most boring elite goalie ever. He's just amazing at getting his stomach centered to the shot. Literally, which is like, great. That's exactly what you should do if you're trying to be good at goaltending. But John uh, um, Gibson is much more of like the Jonathan Quick era kind of guys where it's like, they're just sliding all over the net. Like part of that is like, in the 40 minutes that I watched last night, I feel like Detroit had like six two-on-ones as well. Like it was, it was crazy what uh, the Anaheim decor was doing to John Gibson. Um, but like, I, I just, I don't know, like this team is, they have some pieces that are like interesting to watch. And this is definitely, I think the start and the turn, because even like Columbus has some pieces you might want to tune. So this is the turn of the list where it's like, if you were, you have to be a passionate hockey fan to still want to watch a bunch of these guys on on a you know monthly basis or whatever. But if I was like, oh, what'd you do on a Wednesday night? And you're like, oh, there wasn't much on, so I watched 
the Anaheim Ducks play. It's like, okay, like that's, that's fair enough. Like Mason McTavish is another guy I want to see develop. Um, Troy Terry is a very fun player to watch as well. Um, you know, and then on the back end, John Klingberg, Cam Fowler, Kevin Shattenkirk, they're not like, and in, and Jamie Drysdale as well. They're in fact bad in their own end, but again, their high style of offense kind of makes it more fun to watch as a neutral spectator. Any defenseman who can move the puck makes the game marginally more interesting, even if like they're not exciting in and of themselves. Exactly. And, and Anaheim, Anaheim has four of those in their top four. Which is always very, very helpful, especially when it's feeding to a guy like Segrist, who is a human highlight reel. Yeah, exactly. And that's the big thing with Anaheim too, is even like, like Johnny Goudreau might be able to do it too, but I'm like, there's a chance if, if you watch like six Anaheim Ducks games, there's a chance that in one of those six games, you see like a Michigan goal scored or something like that. You might see the play of the year. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, they're a fine team or whatever. There's just, I think, you know, like they're already off to a one, four and one start. I don't really see that getting like, like they'll obviously be a little better than that, but they're on an L5. Like they're going to be a team that's 20 plus points outside of the playoffs this year. I'm, to me, like they're going to be fun to tune into once in a while. I just don't know how fun they're going to be. Like this is not a team I'd be trying to watch 20 plus games up or anything like that. Couldn't agree more with that. I remember with the season previews, I like wanted to be high on them. I'm like, oh yeah, they'll be better than Seattle and Vancouver. Young guys take, take a step and then they just lack the, the amount of talented forwards to be, to be that good. Yeah, exactly. They need like legit steps forward from, again, a lot of their prospects, which is a big ask. They basically, because they, all their top guys right now basically need to be depth guys. Sands, Troy Terry, and even Zegras is over his head in the role that he's playing. So they need like these guys to become slam dunk first liners so that Henry can play on like the third line to be good kind of thing. Yeah, like you need all those guys to be slam dunk so like Henrik Silverberg Strom can be your third or fourth line or something like that, right? Like, yeah, they need to start insulate, which. It's kind of unfair to just assume all those prospects will hit, but that's the kind of thing they need to go right for them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, the Ducks are at 25. Still in this tier, I have the Winnipeg Jets as well. Um, I, I never know what how to feel about the Jets. They're, I do enjoy watching them because it feels like they get in a fight with any team they play. Like Their games the, against the Leafs are fun. Yeah, exactly. Like they're all that I know. And it feels like, and, and part of this might be because they played every Canadian team seven or eight times in that one year, but any team they play in Canada is a fun game to watch with the Jets a part of it. Whether the score is close or not is a bit of a different story, but it's going to be a physical chippy game. Yeah, like last Saturday was, if there was like some awful hits and whatnot, but like, let's be honest, let's interesting to see on tv when that stuff happens and teams are like at each other's throats yeah exactly and like montreal winnipeg series where you know jake evans got absolutely dummied a couple years ago like that's still about in, that yeah that's still in the the habs lines as well shifley who ran him yeah it was shifley yeah. which is so like a, a key player for the jets right always in the mix um and then the other thing with the jets too is like they i still kind of cling on to watch them sometimes more because it feels like they should be better offensively they do. And there's, you know how I said, like every puck moving defenseman makes teams marginally more interesting. There's, mm-hmm. there's kind of a lack of talent on the back end, which I think probably takes away from making the forwards as interesting as they should be. Yeah, for sure. And, and so this is a team with a new coach as well, that I'm curious to see how it affects them going throughout the year, you know, where it's like, I, 
I mean, I made my thoughts on Paul Maurice very clear uh, that I don't think he's a very good coach. So I'm curious to see if getting a new coach helps kickstart them. Early in the year, it has not. Their expected goal score per 60 is 2.79, which is 26. And their Corsi 4 per 60 is 54.9, which is 21st. So, um, you know, this is another team where, like, if we circle back to this, like, around or post-trade deadline, maybe they've fallen a bunch because they're out of a playoff mix. But, um, you know, they, it seems like any game they play is going to be a pretty physical and, and chippy one, which brings at least a little bit of excitement. And then also just I'm curious to see if this team can make a next step. And even if they don't, like, I still like watching, like, Cole Perfetti and to be honest, I do like watching Connor Hellebuck just stand on his head. Yeah, seeing Hellebuck try to carry them though is good. Even like Kyle Connor's exciting to watch as well, mm-hmm. and Shifley and Wheeler. Like they're not the mo- as effective as their their points or whatever, but they still put up the points, which is always fun. That's the thing, right? Is like them scoring so much does still make it a fun game, even if it's not an effective way to win hockey games for them. As a neutral yeah, spectator, I don't care about that. I don't care how mad it makes the coach. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right. This is probably my biggest surprise of the list so far that I haven't named this team yet. Uh, finishing off the teams that are not very good, uh, but kind of fun to watch is the Montreal Canadiens at 23. I'm this surprised. could be recency bias because I think going into the year, I would have had these guys at close to 30. I would I've have them in the tanking tier of teams. Yes. Well, and like they are, but – I've watched yeah. two or three of this team's games and they're like, they're kind of fun. Like they're not good, but they're kind of fun. They do have those young guys playing really high leverage roles for them, which is good. Cause this is another one where like Suzuki and Caulfield as a combo couldn't play defense to save their life, but they could put fucking back in that. Yeah. Like, and so part of my, I, this is definitely some bias too, because I have to watch more Habs games than most people. Cause my parents are diehard Habs fans. So anytime a Sens game's not on TV, it's probably a Habs game here. So I do just see them more, like, by accident than, than most people would. But, like, they have a nice mix this year of the young guys playing up. They're a team that is, you know, it, there's only so much you can take from this because they're still a bad team. But they're a bad team that you know is going to compete in a lot of games. Um, whereas, like... Like, to me, the Arizona Coyotes, if you look at their score lines, they've just been blown out in, like, half the games they've played. This Montreal team, it's not like that. The, the Habs, at very least, they have the, the Confield-Suzuki duo, which is somewhat interesting, at least up top. And then they do have, like, 15 NHL forwards, which mm-hmm. is a lot more than a lot of the teams we've passed by so far, can say. Yeah, and then their decor for how bad it is, it's still young, too, which kind of makes it fun as well. Like, Arbor Jack Eye has been this story of the year so far undrafted kitchen ranger player um you know just fighting everything he dropped cassie in the other night um you know but he's been he's not particularly good in his own end but he's been fun to watch jordan harris and kane gooley you know just developing some nhl experience like it has actually been kind of a fun thing to watch maybe they're a little high here and again this is probably a team where when they go from they're three and three right now which is still hilariously bottom of the atlantic um but they're three and three right now. Maybe if they drop to like a team where they're they're in that bottom five, bottom seven kind of ranking, um, you know, they you start stop watching them quite as much. But one thing is, for, I think I was a little low in. Well, no, actually, I guess for our season preview, we did say they weren't going to be as bad as the Chicago's of the Phillies of the world. But you know, like I think they're going to be a team where they're probably not picking top three this year unless they win a lottery. 
I don't even know if they're picking top five. I think it could be in that six to 10 range, to be honest. I could see something like that. It'll depend if they're like open sellers at the deadline too, because it could get yes. pretty ugly to end the year. Yeah, and like, I'm assuming they will probably sell a bunch of the like Sean Monahan. I could see going Jonathan Drouin, Evgeny Dadnov, if they get anything. Like anyone who's a pending UFA will get moved. Yeah, like it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year you'd rather turn into a Ducks game by a long shot than a Habs mm-hmm. game, just because like the Habs have stripped for parts and the Ducks have mainly just kind of held course. 100%. And like, yeah, like the Ducks ceiling this year, I think it's even with the bad start is still way higher than the Canadians, but the Canadians right now anyways are, you know, making games fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good for the fans. At least they're starting competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing else. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, it's, it's nice to see Caulfield getting put into big roles. You know, Slavkovsky hasn't played a ton, but he's been fun, fun enough to watch as well. Um, you know, Kirby Doc, it seems like they're actually kind of using him as a winger and not as a center, which is nice. Um, so, you know, that, that's another good piece as well. So I just think that there are pieces there that make this team a little more entertaining. Um, but overall, they are in the same tier with like Winnipeg, Anaheim, and I'll throw Columbus in there too of not a very good team. They do have some young guys that are going to be exciting. But at the end of the season, it's probably not going to be a team you uh, need to be watching in like March or whatever. Which sounds well fair. They're, they're aggressively... All right. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. My next tier, I have three teams and it is teams on the upswing that I don't think are, they're not very good, but they're at least exciting to watch and should be better than last year. Uh, and the bottom of this tier, I have the Seattle Kraken at 22 on the list. Seems like a decent spot for the Kraken. I don't really know what to make of this team. I didn't watch them a ton last year because they were like out of it so quickly. And, I barely watched any of them too. And they and, are in the West. So yeah, exactly. Like the, the 10 o'clock starts make it a lot harder as well. But and also like last year. So the biggest difference from them this year, last year to this year, is they added some guys up front via the draft and free agency or trade or whatever that are like actually fun to watch. Like Andre Burakowski, Oliver Bjorkstrand, um, obviously Shane Wright. They're not using Shane Wright, but Matty Beneers. Like those are actually guys I would tune into hockey games to watch as a especially considering they're not all like the star players or anything, you know, some of those names will be a supporting piece, but like, and then obviously Yanni Gord's a ton of, a ton of fun to watch as well. But like last year, they just didn't have any of those guys. Like Yanni Gord was the only reason to tune into this team. It's like, well, I don't really want to do that. Him and McCann, they have like, they have like six second line worthy <laughs> watchability guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, there's some like they're, they're going to be some fun team. Like they're, they're a fun team. And again, it's kind of the same on the decor. It feels like they have like four number fours, number three, like four second pair defensemen, no real top pair defensemen. There's yeah. There's no one on that decor that you're like, I want them facing a tough competition, but like, you know, the pens won a cup, Justin Schultz playing as a two or whatever. And, Jamie Alexiak could probably play as a three or four. Vince Dunn could be a four. Larson could probably be a three kind of thing. Yeah. And then the last thing I I can't tell if it's a positive or negative, to be honest, is just how bad their goaltending still is. It's tough, too. I I really wanted Grubauer to do well. But, yeah, it it sucks for them because their goaltending isn't bad on, like, an electric offensive team. Their goaltending is bad on a way that it just, like, sewers the game for them. Well, and so that's the thing where I think it is a negative now where 
there's like like they've let in the goal in the first minute of the game like multiple times already this year. I'm pretty sure. I saw it, Dan Bros made like a graph for it. They they let in like twice as many first minute goals as the next worst team in the league last year. Yeah, and like I was listening to people like on on the PDO cast, they were just like watch more games obviously than I do just around the league. And they were saying like, oh yeah, like the amount of times they'd score a big goal to get back in it and Grubauer would let one through his legs and like the hash mark 20 seconds later was just uncountable. It's like to that point, it just, you could tell it just ruins the team and they don't want to play anymore where it's like, if you have the odd goal where it's like, if Gorgiev for the avalanche lets up a bad one, the avalanche are just going to go full press offense to go get it back. This team can't do that and probably is just sick of doing it as well. Yeah, they just they just can't do that. Like when the when the Leafs get bad goaltending, it's fun for neutral observers because yep. the Leafs down three are still much watch TV, must watch TV because they're very likely to come back. Seattle's got a lot of forwards we like, but yeah, they just probably can't do that, and that's fine given where their window is. Yep, exactly. So um, two more teams in the East that I think are kind of like that as well in terms of just. Good teams, but probably not quite there yet. And Buffalo Sabres and Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I have Buffalo 21, Detroit 20. Sounds about right. I might actually flip those. I find Buffalo somewhat interesting this year. I do too. I Again, some of this might have been recency biased because I was watching Detroit last night and they were like a lot faster of a team than I kind of thought they were, which is making them more exciting to watch, I think, this year. Um, That's true. And Detroit made some additions in the lineup, so it should be deeper too. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we'll, we'll go through Buffalo first. Um, yeah, no, Buffalo has some guys that, are like, I was really – so they played uh, – they were Ottawa's first game of the year, and it was a pretty exciting game. Um, the legend of Craig Anderson lives on, a Craig Anderson revenge game at 41. Um, but, yeah, they have some guys in uh, J.J. Paterka, Jack Quinn, Peyton Krebs, Dylan Cousins, um, you know, that are all guys you want to kind of keep an eye on. And then, obviously, like, Alex Tuck is a very fun player to watch if you're – like a, a, you got to be a little more than a casual NHL fan, but not even like a diehard, diehard NHL fan. Um, yeah, and then like Tage, Tage Thompson, Thompson. Shooting's a, shooting ability is a lot of fun to watch as well. Jeff Skinner, you know, not a $9 million player, but he is a good NHLer. And and on the blue line, Rasmus Dalin is on an absolute tear this year. Five goals in his first five games. Um, that is something to keep an eye on because, you know, we got in um, a discussion in our group chat the other day where, there's been a couple of polls going around Twitter where it's like, if you were redrafting the 2018 draft, who would you take first overall? Svechnikov, Brady Kachuk, or Rasmus Dahlin? And you and I, I think we're probably on the same page of like the love for Rasmus Dahlin was kind of crazy in terms of at least if you're using only what we've seen so far, right? It's incredibly unnecessary given what we've seen so far. Yeah, like it's just... He's been very clearly the third worst out of all those three guys. Now, the potential is always there. And this is what I've said, too. This being, you know, my list being obviously an eye test kind of list is every time I watch Deline, I go, how is this guy not a star? He's one of the like, just most fluent skaters I've ever seen with the pop going up ice. He is fantastic to watch. Yeah, and it's like, I just don't know how he doesn't put it all together to the point where it's like, like he, if he feels like he should be a top ten defenseman in the league, he really, especially when you give like know that he was supposed to be that coming in too. Like you can watch him and be like, "How is this guy not elite?" Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and you know, maybe that's just kind of bias in my head as well. But 
yeah, anytime I watch them, I go, man, like, why do the result? And it's not like, like, it's not like a case where, you know, sometimes the team of a, the fans of a team are like, no, 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 this guy is really, really good. The stats aren't just aren't showing it or whatever. That doesn't appear to be the case. Like Buffalo fans think Rasmus Dalene is pretty good, but not like a gods and savior or anything like that, or had, that he has been so far or anything like that. Definitely not. Now, that being said, Miro Heiskanen was a guy who was like drafted really high. He heard a lot about and put up really mediocre numbers and then absolutely popped last year. And now everybody's just like, yep, yeah, for sure. He's obviously elite. Nick Dalene does that this year? I think there's a good possibility, yeah. Like, given how high everyone is on Dalene already, it'll just take one good year, and then everybody will be like, oh, yep, yeah, he's elite. Yes. Yeah, for sure, 100%. So, um, yeah, and then uh, the rest of their blue line, like Dalene, Owen Power hasn't played great this year, but I think he'll be a really exciting guy to watch as the year goes on as well. Um, Labushkin, they just added actual NHL names. Uh, it looks like Matias Samuelson is injured long-term for a little while, which is unfortunate, but, uh, you know, and Yoko Hardy is also on the IR, but they just have actual NHL names on their team this year. Uh, again, their goaltending of Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson, I don't think is going to get it done, um, but they're a fun team to watch, I, I think. And like, you could probably do worse on any given like Tuesday night tuning into a Buffalo Sabres game. For sure. I'm, I I actually want Buffalo to be good, even as a Leafs fan. Life's better when they're good. Oh, yeah, the, and- the league is much better when they're good. Exactly. And I, I have a soft spot for Buffalo because they've they've hired a lot of smart people that are well-known on hockey Twitter. So I think I, I watch them a little bit more closely than most teams. And I think it's uh, – I like them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, Detroit is a similar kind of team where um, I, I think they have more established NHL guys, but maybe not quite as much upside in terms of um, where those guys go. Um, but, you know, they have a pretty exciting team as well. Obviously, Dylan Larkin is a lot of fun to watch. Um, you have Lucas Raymond's a ton of fun. Joseph Valeno's coming into his own, uh, injured right now, but Tyler Bertuzzi's a very good NHL player. Uh, Robbie Fabry is a solid depth guy as well. And then on the blue line, Morta Sider's so much fun to watch. Um, this That's team literally is, it though. Yes, the, the rest of the blue line is ugly. Um, but again, I think that kind of leads to like a lot of back and forth and just trouble in their own end, which as a neutral spectator, I'm all here for. Yeah, it's not too bad. Then you get to see Raymond just like absolutely break the other way and nice little odd man rush or something. And that was the thing I noticed a lot yesterday when watching them is that their their transition game to the odd man rushes seemed, I mean, it was only one game granted, but it was very frequent, which is a, a fun style of hockey, in my opinion, to watch. That's fair. Like given the amount of talent they have. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, it's fun watching, like, just an absolute electric team buzz around the offensive end for a couple minutes, and it leads up to a goal or whatever. But, you know, not every team can do that, and that's not going to happen every shift. So if you don't have the talent to just completely dominate for three minutes at a time, the counter, you know, try and obviously not getting shelled in your own end, but taking your chances and using your speed to go back up the other way is a lot of fun. Yeah, which... Exactly. It's it's interesting, at least, even if they're not the flashiest of teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think I might reverse this as well. Uh, I think I go, I'll go go Buffalo 20, Troy 21. Um, I don't even know if it's much on the on-ice product as well, but I also love Buffalo's jerseys. And uh, the, um, you see the third one they brought, like the Buffalo head that they brought back as well. Like that one's really cool. Um, and I seem to remember, I'm just trying to look up the reverse retro jerseys right now. I don't think... Detroit's was very good again this year, and it was absolutely trash last time they did it. So that alone, I'll put at 20 
and their alternate jerseys always seem to be pretty mediocre for a team with like historically loved home jerseys. Yeah, exactly. Which like I don't know. I think Detroit's jerseys are good, but I don't like people will probably have them top three, top five. I don't know if it's quite that aggressive. I feel like they're the second most iconic jersey in hockey behind Chicago. Yeah, the Rangers would be up there. The Rangers, yeah. But yeah, like they're definitely like top. It's the original six, right? So yeah. But yeah, um, real quick tangent on that, and it'll be something. What do you think of the reverse retros? I like them. I mean, I don't like all of them, but I like the idea. Even if it produces ten good jerseys, I'm always I always think those are cool to see. Yeah, I think I'm underwhelmed. Actually, Detroit's this year is way better than the one last year. It's still not great now that I'm looking at it again, but it's much better than the one they did last year, which was like basically just looked like a practice jersey of their old jersey. Um, I'm more underwhelmed by them this year for sure. I, I love the idea. Anything that gets more jerseys is sweet, but it feels like a lot of teams either just A, basically repeated what they did last time and changed the font a little bit, or B, just didn't put much effort into it at all and just kind of like changed their color a little bit. The Leafs one is like truly just, we needed to get this over with. The Sens one too is like, they're using their 2D logo that they changed to. And so last time they used the 2D logo, but they had this nice new red color. This time they just kind of combined the black and red in a different way than their normal blacks. It's like, this just looks like your normal jersey, just slightly different. But yeah, it's there, just a lot of them are some, like that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. A lot, like a lot of them are not that different, but some of them are sweet. Yes, exactly. The Arizona Coyotes. Orange jersey, love that one. Love that. Uh, I, I, I respect that. the hell of the Islanders bringing the fishermen back. <laughs> you saw them. I think that was one of the more I had to like double take and be like, who even is that? Yeah, um, the the Oilers bringing their teardrop logo back, like that's fun. I I really like the Panthers actually. They're light blue. The Panthers one was cool. I loved the um, the Sharks one. I used to always use those Seals jerseys in Hockey Ultimate Team yeah. back in the day. The Sharks are nice. The Kraken's pretty nice as well. Um, I like the Kraken. We were talking about that on meeting and we're talking about it on Saturday. It was like, if you like the Kraken's normal jersey, you're going to love those. But if yeah. you don't, you're going to hate it. Exactly. Um, Rangers bringing Lady Liberty. Yeah, that one's nice as well. The Capitals one's nice, but that was a repeat of like what they did last year. Uh, yeah, Pens Johnny Canuck was cool. Yeah, the Johnny Canuck, that's a, re- a really cool one. Penn's one was a repeat too, right? Uh, I love it, but I think it's similar, right? Did the Penns do a gold one last time, maybe? Oh, maybe they did. I love that Penns jersey, though. Yes, me too. Um, but yeah, so like, again, I, I like the Colorado one's good. It's not Nordique level good, which they'd had last time, but. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, no, like, I, I like the jersey. I'm underwhelmed definitely from the first time, but it's always fun seeing new jerseys. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the teams could put out like 20 new jerseys in a year, and I would just be such a sucker for them. I'm I actually think, surprised they don't put out more. Sometimes. Yeah, I think there's a limit on how many you can wear in a year. I want to say it's four as league mandated or something like oh, that. Okay, that would make sense. But yeah, because that's why they don't wear like the pride jerseys or the camo jerseys on like during games. Oh, because they're limited. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't. I don't know why that rule's in there or whatever, but I, that's what I've heard, anyways. Yeah, that would that would answer a lot of questions. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all for. I never understood why people were like, "Oh, I don't understand why people get so passionate about jerseys." It's like it's the thing you're watching. Why would you not want to have some opinion on this? 
Exactly. And like some of them are just cool. You don't have to get super in depth. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, don't let it ruin your day if your favorite team puts out a jersey you don't like. But like, yeah, people should have an opinion about it. And if you don't have an opinion, that's fine too. But don't like act holier than thou on the people who do say they like or dislike certain aspects of the jersey. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are interesting. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, we will speed this up a little bit. We're about 45 minutes in and approaching the halfway mark. We're um, on to team 19. And I have two teams in this tier where I just didn't really know where to put them. I think the top team could probably go in the next tier, but I don't think they're quite as good as the teams in the next tier. So 19, I almost put them on their own tier and it's because it's the Vancouver Canucks. I think they are a fun team. They've gotten off to such a horrid start. It almost makes me want to tune in more to see what they're like. They're going nuts out in Vancouver. Oh, four and two start. Like their president, I'm pretty sure, came out and said this is like a huge failure. Like this is a disaster. Boudreau just looks absolutely devastated after every loss. Um, that almost makes me want to watch them more. But just generally speaking, too, the team should be better than oh, four and two. For sure, they should be. And also, like you said, to make you tune in more, Vancouver's just a very dramatic market for whatever reason, which adds some intrigue to everything they do. Exactly. This could be some Canadian bias as well, but I do like watching games in Vancouver, especially when they're like competing for a playoff spot. That building is always rocking. For sure. When they're actually competitive, they're a very, very interesting team. Well, like I just said, they're interesting no matter what because of the highly unnecessary drama like half the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then obviously like Elias Pettersson at his best is always a lot of fun to watch. And he's been really good this year. Like it looks like he could be back to like actual Elias Pettersson, which would be cool. He's been freaking amazing. Hughes has been good from what I understand too. Yeah. And he, he's hurt now for a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And then, but the rest of the, after Hughes, the rest of their decor is ugly. OEL, Tyler Myers, Riley Stillman, Luke Shen, Jack Rathbone, Kyle Burrows, uh, Gooman, Breezebois. With Travis Dermott and Tucker Pullman on the IR. So, which I don't even know who Gulaman Breezebois is. <laughs> Never heard of him, dude. Uh, he is a 25 year old left handed defenseman. He was drafted by the Canucks in the third round in 2015, 66th overall pick. There you go. Player development for the win. Exactly. He actually played eight games two years ago. No, in 2018 19, he played eight games with them. Uh, and Last year, he played one game, and the year before that, he played one game with them. Other than that, he's been in Utica for most of and Abbotsford, I guess, their new AHL team. So the kind of player only people who listen to Canucks like podcasts know about. Literally, and even them, some of them might not. <laughs> um, but yeah, like up front, like they have like put Coles in that I'm interested in. Andre Kuzmenko as well. Like they have names that should, this team should be better in 04 too, but I'm just, you know, I'm not really like Thatcher Demko has been a disaster so far this year. I do think that this is a team that could probably turn it around. Uh, but it like much like last year, is it going to be too late where it's like they turn around 20 games in and have to play at like 122 point pace to make playoffs? That's probably exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, and then another team that I think is better than them. I just I don't find them all that entertaining. People who watch a lot of games are trying to like push for this team to be more entertaining. But I'm. I got to wait and see, and that's the Dallas Stars. I would have the Dallas Stars lower, to be honest. I don't, I think they suffer from like the old Minnesota thing too, where they're just destined to make the playoffs and come eighth, where it's hard to care about as a neutral observer. 
Yeah, exactly. Like I am kind of curious um, now that they have uh, Pete DeBoer, who definitely gets good results of the first year, if this team will be a little more just open in terms of the way they go. And they signed Mason Marchman, which is a, a good depth signing for them as well. Because the thing was last year, they had the top line of Robertson, uh, Pavelski, and uh, uh, Rupa Hintz. And that was all that, like, literally when they came off the ice, you may as well just flip the game. Pretty much. It's, a, it's sad how quickly Ben and Sagan because that could have made them really interesting if they were still decent at this point. Literally. And so now they have, like, Mason Marchman, Dennis Firianov's an okay player as well. Like, Ty Delandro's up there. Um, they have Wyatt Johnson on their roster right now, who is their first overall pick from 2021. Um, like, they, they just have some names that are a little better, I think, this year. Uh, Jake Ottinger's fun to watch. Mir Heiskin, obviously, on the back end. And it's not like the rest of their blue line is, like, horrible. Like, Esselindale, Ryan Suter, Colin Miller, uh, Yanni Hankenpod, Nils Lundqvist, and Joel Hanley. Like, Nils Lundqvist especially has the upside there. But those are all, like, NHL-caliber players. They're just not great, you know? Exactly. Like, they, I think Mason Marchman sums uh, someone like that up really well. Like, uh, I think he is a good player, and he's actually pretty fun to watch and everything. But they just have a lot of guys that you're never going to get anyone to tune in to watch. That's the thing. So that's why I have them 18th, where I think they're going to be a team that will be right in it all year. So you can turn in to watch them because you know it'll be a game that at least means something. But also, yeah, they just like you got to be really hardcore into watching Jason Robertson dominate play or whatever. And even then, like the, the tier I have next has three guys that I would much rather watch just carry a team around than Jason Robertson. So for sure, because like Roberts, it's fantastic, but unfortunately for him, and maybe it's just a status thing that he's not like superstar status, but he's he's not the kind of player that everyone tunes in for at the moment. Exactly. Even, maybe he should be, but he isn't to see the unfortunate yeah. reality. All right, three teams. I think we're going to go through pretty quick here because it is the old teams that are good. You just know what you're going to get out of them. 17th, I have Washington. Uh, I'm a little less concerned. I'm a little less sure that they're actually good this year. Um, But generally speaking, we do know what we're getting out of Washington. They're a team that, you know, is going to score on the power play. Uh, I watched them live as well. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen someone skate as little as Ovechkin uh, does right now. Like, it has always been bad. I've seen Ovechkin three times live now and, like, it's always been bad, but he used to at least like get in on the four check and play aggressively Thursday night. He was not doing that. He was literally just sitting at the blue line, basically with no matter where the puck was. We have this conversation like once a year, but God, I never find it more amusing than the people are like, you don't think Ovi's a top three winger anymore. Do you even watch hockey? Yeah. It's like, just watch him for one game and live. It's even more obvious because the cameras aren't focused on, like you don't have to focus on where the puck is. Right. So you really notice when the puck is in the far right corner and he is just hanging by the red line because he's not skating back or like the puck in the offensive zone gets dumped into the corner. That's not his. He doesn't even go into the hash mark. Sometimes he was hanging like top circle, just sitting there at five on five. And it's like so painfully obvious, like as we say it every time, but I'm going to continue to say it as long as it's a narrative. Like, I, if people think they're being making themselves smart, sound smart by being like, oh, you got to ignore some of the stats on this. You just got to watch him. It's like, if you watch him and don't come away with the exact impression that a statistical profile gives him, I have no idea what you're saying. And I really don't want to take your opinion on live scouting seriously ever again. Yeah, and even watching him, it's funnier even because it's like 
you can come away with a worse opinion than the stats. Like he didn't do anything so. on Thursday against the Sens. And like, I came away of like, that dude was totally ineffective. Now there are also games. I can't remember who they're playing. It was about a week ago. He had like a hat trick. He had like a four or five point night. And it's like, yeah, you can watch him do nothing for most of the game and then snap home a couple goals and get an assist or whatever and come away with, oh, still dominant offensively, does absolutely nothing anywhere else, right? Which is what the stats would say. But yeah, if he's not doing the offensive thing, you can come away watching the game of like, this dude's even worse than what the statistics say. Exactly. And given how streaky offense tends to be, like in a world where we don't know how many points each player scores, I bet you the opinion of him is way, 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 way lower than it is right now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, the, the rest of the Washington team, they're just kind of like a fine team or whatever. Kemper's been bad to start this year. That'll be something I want to keep an eye on as well. But um, like, they're fine. You usually know what you're getting out of them. Uh, this next two teams, more exciting than Washington, but kind of the same vein for me as Boston and Pittsburgh, where it's like, they're good teams. There's going to be games where they're going to have a lot of fun games, but also like, I just kind of know that they're going to the playoffs as like the second seed in their division or whatever, or third seed in their division. And I can't wait to watch them in the playoffs, but they're not always the most thrilling night to night for 82 games. These teams make a lot of sense as a tier. And this is the first time I've been passionate about the rankings within a tier, as long as Washington's in last. Yeah. They're yeah. I have them as like a clear 17th, but like, Similar idea kind of thing. And Boston, I think. I, I feel worse. Think, yes, exactly. They are by far the worst of these three teams, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, that lines up with like betting markets and our preseason opinions and just kind of gen- what I think general lineup analysis would dictate. Yeah. And like Boston also gets hurt because McAvoy and Marchand are out for so long this year. Like, which sucks. Yeah, exactly. But like, there's only so much I want to do to watch like. Jake DeBrusque and Charlie Coyle play 19 minutes a night with Taylor Hall or whatever. It, it hurts too. Cause it's like Bergeron's their best player, but Marshawn is their most watchable player by a wide margin. I think. Yeah. And like Pasternak's probably up there as well, just in terms of like watching him in the offensive zone is magic. For sure. Anyway, he's got the line eight thing, but probably significantly better where just anytime he touches the puck, it could very well be a goal. Yeah. And then you know, same kind of thing with Pittsburgh, like, I'm never going to complain about tuning in to just watch Crosby do Crosby stuff for 19, 20 minutes a night. Um, you yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah, exactly. Same with watching Malkin when he's going. Like, that's fun. Like, they have good players. It's just I've watched them for so long where it's almost some fatigue in terms of the regular season where there's definitely other teams I just want to watch a little more right now. But, um, you know, Pittsburgh is definitely a team come playoff time where it's like – and Boston too where it's like, no, I will try and watch almost every game I can of these teams because they're a lot of fun. But – just during the regular season, it's like, it's not that they don't have stars. We're just so used to seeing their stars be stars. It's not really surprising, right? Like, you're just, you expect it. That's fair. Because, like, the only uncertainty is if they're going to be healthy. Yeah, exactly, right? And, like, when they're not, that's a negative to their team. Huge bummer. Yeah. So. I'd, I'd have Pittsburgh higher, but I am also a Penguins fan, so. Yeah, and, like, I think you could switch, like, this Pittsburgh-Boston tier with a couple that I have. And, again, this is one where maybe come trade deadline, they're a little higher because they're a playoff team or whatever. I have a couple teams coming up here where it's, like, the next five teams, I'm not really sure what to make of, but I think, like, their boom or bust potential could, like, lead so it's a super exciting game no matter what you're watching, whereas, like, the Penguins might win just – and the Bruins especially will win just, like, a bunch of 3-2 responsibly defensive games or whatever. 
the Bruins especially for that because their their whole lineup's ridiculously responsible defensively, which exactly. is a good thing if you're trying to win games. It's a bad thing for these lists. Exactly. So uh, we are into the top half of the list. I mean, Pittsburgh was technically top half as well, but uh, this is a tier of young teams on the up and coming, but they might actually be like good. And by that, I mean, like they should, they could push for a wild card spot. One of these teams actually made the playoffs last year by Thurman anyways. Coming in at 14 here, I have the Ottawa Senators. This is where I decided to put them. Um, when the PDO cast was doing their list, they had them at like 28, 23, and 22. I was like, that seems absurd. Like I, there's a heavy amount of bias coming into this, but that seems absurd to me. Yeah, that seems too low. Um, I have them at 14 and in this tier, especially because like, so part of this is obviously early season returns, but even before the season just going in, like this was a team that they weren't like thrilling to watch last year, but they were still fun enough. Like if you tune into a game, chances are like, as long as they were all healthy, you would probably see one of Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson or Norris do something or Shabbat do something pretty cool throughout that game. Like it wasn't like must see TV. And last year I thought they would be down like in that 23 to 28 range. This year, they then took that core that should be getting, you know, better as it gets a year older, added a 40-goal scorer in Alex Dabrinkit, who, yes, he might not score 40 with the centers, but even if he gets 32 and, like, 75 points, that's still a huge addition that they just did not have. Like, that's replacing Chris Tierney minutes last year. And then they also took Claude Giroux, who's been one of the better forwards of, like, an era. And obviously, he's not peak Claude Giroux, but as, like, the sixth most important forward of this team? Are you kidding me? And then you also mix that in with guys like Shane Pinto, who is a point per game right now, just absolutely destroying, doing even better than I thought he would. And a guy like Jake Sanderson on the back end, who was one of the most hyped prospects or like one of the best non-NHL prospects last year that we had. I don't know how you rank this team at like 28. That was just an absurd take. 14, I have them mostly because it fits the tier. Again, if you told me you'd rather watch a Pittsburgh or Boston game, I'm not going to be too angry. But the other thing about this team, and so far, like they're like, They've been really good this year so far. Um, they currently rank, I think it's fifth in Corsi four percentage, I want to say. Um, oh, sorry, no, 10th in Corsi four percentage and fifth in expected goals percentage. Um, again, early returns, not saying it's going to stay that way, but they've been like actually good this year. And it's been in a fun way too, where it's like, they're not, they're a bad team defensively. Not even not good. That doesn't do it justice. They suck defensively, but that makes them a lot of fun because it is a lot of back and forth hockey with high scoring in it. For sure. And I also think, like, I would rather watch pick Pittsburgh than them. And I think if I was to recommend, like, a new fan, a team to watch, I would recommend Pittsburgh before, like, Ottawa, just because of Sid or whatever. But I think there's something to, where if you are a hockey fan, at the very least, a team is just automatically more interesting when a lot of its, like, expected value comes from new additions relative to Pittsburgh. Because the inverse of what you said with Pittsburgh being boring it's also true where Ottawa's players, like, we have no idea how this all fits together. Yeah, exactly. It's like Pittsburgh seems like, I know, I've seen this for a decade. They've won multiple cups and are always a threat to go win another, it feels like. Like, I, I'm going to watch them with come playoff time. I know. I don't need to see it now. With Ottawa, it's like, this team could be, like, really, really good, or it could be an absolute disaster. Who knows? It could be a train wreck. And it'll be exciting either way, because a team that went all in and is a train wreck because they can't stop a beach ball defensively would still be interesting. Exactly. So, yeah, I couldn't believe, like, again, if you want to say Ottawa's a couple spots too high or whatever, that's fair enough. But I just think they're in the tier of team that is going to play 
wildly exciting games. Like they had the seven, six win the other night. Um, you know, they, they beat the, the, the Capitals five, two, and they beat the, um, Coyote six, two as well. Like they're just high scoring fun games that are back and forth. So, um, and then the the energy of a young team too. Exactly. Right. And a team that fits that exact same mold in the Eastern vision is, uh, the New Jersey Devils and that I have here at 13. New Jersey's a sneaky, sneaky good one here. They're probably the most like underratedly watchable team. Yep. Um, so they were getting some hype this year, but they've been like really good. Like I was talking Ottawa's advanced metrics to start this year. Uh, New Jersey's first in expected goals and first in Corsi four percentage at 64% at Corsi four and uh, um, 70% expected goals. Like they've been dominating play. And what makes this team even more fun is that they're not dominating. Like they're only three and two because their goaltending is stunk. Their goaltending is like all levels of bad. So yeah, like this New Jersey team, I think is just like Ottawa in terms of they have a bunch of guys, obviously Jack Hughes, everyone deemed a star. And like, I think I still think we need to see a little more of that, but he definitely looks like he could be on his way there. They added Andre Pilat, who's like, Probably a little worse than like a little worse than Claude Giroux, but the same type of player where it's like very useful guy in the middle six right now in his career. Um, Nico Hishier is obviously a lot of fun. Um, they have they've brought up guys like Dawson Mercer, Alexander Holtz that should be a ton of fun to watch. And then like they just have actual NHL players, uh Yegor Sharangovich, uh Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood. Like those are all just like fine NHL. Eric Hall is another one who's not great, but like as the 10th best four on the team or whatever is fine. And then their decor is actually a lot of fun to watch. And John Marino is a good addition. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton, he looks really good this year. Damian Severson, Ryan Graves, Jonas Siegenthaler. Like, that's an actually, like, solid blue line. Um, that's what gives them the, the edge over the sense to me. The two things would be Jack Hughes uh, probably isn't, like, a superstar yet, but he is in terms of watchability. And then the decor is a lot going to be a lot better at getting the puck to these forwards in New Jersey. Yes, absolutely. Like the right side of Ottawa's league is still an absolute goddamn mess. The left side has been a lot of fun to watch. I won't get in too much of a tangent, but like Eric Brenchum's great this year as the third pair defenseman. But um, more on that on the last word on Send podcast, if you want to hear about that. Uh, but yeah, New Jersey, like they have a great defensive core that, or like not great, but like a good, a very good defensive good. core that can at least move the puck, right? Which is not something they've had up and down the lineup last year. So yeah, it just comes down to can Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood make a save, which so far has been no. But to me, when if the team's going to outplay their problems this badly, it almost makes it more fun to watch that way. For sure. That's, that's the most exciting kind of hockey. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then the last team I had in this tier, and the reason I placed them a little higher than the other two is just because they actually made the playoffs last year. And I expect them to do it again this year, um, mostly because just their division slash conference is weaker than Ottawa, New Jersey, and that's the LA Kings. I like LA as a as a relatively watchable team too. They're it's tough because they're they're on the West Coast time for people like us, but I find them interesting. Yeah, and they were like sneaky offensive last year. They ranked fourth in expected goals four per sixty and um seventh in Corsi four per sixty as well. So like they were a very offensive flooded team and they added a Kevin Fiala, which is only going to help that this year. Um and again they're they're another team where it's like, in theory, even if it's maybe not as big as some of the other teams are expecting a jump, like in theory, they're hoping like Gabe Velarde, Arthur Kalia, Quentin Byfield, like any of those guys just take a nice step forward to help the team as well. One of them should. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and like, obviously I'd say Byfield has like 
star potential, but Gabe Velarde's uh, four goals, three assists in seven games so far. Like he's going, he already has matched his last year season point total. He had seven points in 25 games last year. He's got seven and seven. Seven and seven. So like, exactly. Yeah. Even if he regresses like a 70 so 75 point player, like that is a very good addition to have that you didn't have last year. 100%. And like we talked about in the season preview with them, they're a team with so many good young players that like one of them was bound to pop kind of thing. Whereas the team's betting on one guy to go off. That's a pretty crappy bet to place on a, on a prospect. Yeah, exactly. And their decor falls into the New Jersey model too of like, I think they have less star or like less no known players maybe than New Jersey. Obviously they have Drew Doughty. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Drew Doughty we get this year. But then they have Matt Roy, uh, Sean Walker, Sean Dersey, and Michael Anderson, who are all like just underrated NHL players, I would say. Sean Dersey was a lot of fun to watch in the playoffs. And then they added Brant Clark to this roster as well, who was one of their top picks from uh, 2021, uh, eighth overall. So like that, that's a thing to keep an eye on. Then Alex Edler as like a six or seven is just a great six or seven to have on the decor. So their decor is a lot of fun too. Yeah, it's it's a lot better than you would think it is on paper. Yeah, exactly. So, and like there are a bunch of decent puck movers as well that should assist in that. One hundred percent. So, yeah, LA's a lot like um, New Jersey and even Ottawa. Like to me, these are three very similar teams. To me, I, I put LA a tad higher because I think they have a lot of what New Jersey and Ottawa does, but they're also expected to make playoffs this year, which means there'll probably be more meaningful games down the stretch. There's some actual leverage to it. Yeah. Which makes everything again, automatically more interesting. Yeah. Whereas like if Ottawa and New Jersey play well, but miss the playoffs by like 10 points or whatever, I don't think either of those franchises can say that maybe 10 would be, but like six or eight or whatever, like neither of those franchises would consider that like a failure, a massive failure or anything. Whereas like if LA missed the playoffs this year, in the Pacific division. I think that would be obviously just taking a look as a step back because they didn't miss last year. Well, I exactly. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we're almost to the top 10. I have two teams at 10 and 11 here that I'm not really sure what to make of them, but I think they're fun to watch. And that's the, I have 11, the St. Louis blues. I know you're lower and I, I mean, I'm truthfully lower on the blues a lot as well, but in terms of just purely watchability, rankings their shooting talent is one some of the best of the league and i think that's that just makes genuinely fun hockey to watch they're a really good passing team too which helps the the shooting they're better than i think the sum of their parts should be exactly and like if you're trying to tell me that they're not one of the best 12 teams or whatever in the nhl i will fully buy that but also like they to me they are the like I have them at eleven in terms of watchability. To me, they're a team that you could probably tune in on most nights, and you're going to see a pretty fun back and forth game. I agree, and like smart people in the league have talked about how if you want to get into like the new passing data, the team you should study is the St. Louis Blues, and that's fun. Yep, exactly that kind of hockey, right? Yeah, and even like you get to kind of meld that with your eye test too, where it's like. I get to watch, see if I, see if what I'm watching kind of makes sense of what people are saying the behind the scenes passing data would say too. Exactly. And even if you don't care to like learn anything intense from it, you could just sit them down, sit down and watch a team that's, you know, likely to score a bunch of goals. Which is cool. Yep. And again, there's probably a one in eight chance you're going to see a Jordan Bennington freak out. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's also true. 
So, yeah. Um, and then a team that I also had, I just, I wasn't sure what to, like, again, the team we've talked about multiple times already on this podcast, it's the Minnesota Wild, where some smart people are very high on them. I don't buy it as much, but they definitely have a lot of fun, fun players. Kaprizov's got to be like top five in the league-wide power rankings for watchability. Exactly. And like, on his own. Yeah. So, and then it depends, like, can Boldy and Rossi take that next step? Um, to me, I still think they kind of get, they maybe unrightfully get the vibe of just like they were so unwatchably boring for a decade that it almost still rubs off in my head a little bit when I'm looking through the channels. But this is like, this is the top 10. And to me, you can put probably any team from the top 10 in a certain ranking that you want. And I think there's at least an argument to be made. I don't think Minnesota would be like top three, but if you're like Minnesota's the fifth most watchable team in the league, simply because of Kaprasov, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. That's fair enough. I I do agree with that though that they get too much hate for the like 2016 Minnesota Wild. Yes, absolutely. And like they just always seem to have a rotating bottom six of guys that like I've heard of but always just do better here or like but I like I've heard of but don't really know anything about. Like for example, like Connor Duar is in their bottom six right now, third overall pick in 2018. I've like heard of his name playing NHL games, but never looked into it or anything like that. Sam Steele is on their team. Like, you know, he's just going to randomly become like a goaded fourth liner or something after leaving Anaheim. That's the Freddy pick. Yeah. Like, so like, there's just a bunch of guys, even like Kalen Addison, like he was, he came over in that Pittsburgh trade. Um, Like, it's like, Oh, watch him just break out randomly on their third pair or whatever. Jacob Middleton's another guy from San Jose. Like they just have a bunch of players where it's like, it's definitely not as exciting as other teams, but it's still very effective. Yeah, it works if nothing else. For sure. Um, all right, let's get into the top nine quick. Uh, I think we're about, if I'm not mistaken, we're about 60 minutes in, maybe 70 now. Um, some of these teams are going to go quick too, because you know there's only so much to say about how exciting they are too. Uh, here, I kind of cheated as well. I have two teams that I just wasn't really sure what to do with. Again, I think they could be all the way up into like – you could almost argue three, like top three for either of these teams. I just put the two Florida teams here. Uh, I have nine, the Florida Panthers. And part of that is because we are getting the knowledge that Aaron Eckblad will unfortunately miss a couple months, which uh, we've talked about this in our preview about how ugly this decor will be without, could be without Aaron Eckblad. And oh boy, we are going to see that now. It's going to be very interesting to see how they look without Eckblad for an extended period of time after the decor has atrophied this bat already. This is going to be one of the more, like, aggressive jump. Like, this team was – I don't think they're – like, you were wrong if you didn't have this team in top three watchability last season. They were so good. Yeah. But, like, like I just – they've lost so much talent. And, you know, like, I, I do love Matthew Kachuk, but they lost um, Huberdo and Uyghur with that, which, again, you can argue whether that's a net positive, net negative, but – I think in terms of just one game sample watching them last year versus this year, I would argue it's a negative because then they've also lost Mason Marchment, Duclair's injured, Ekblad's out. So now the decor goes from Ekblad and Uyghur where there's two really, really, really good defensemen to like Brandon Montours are number one here. Which is, that's probably Forsling, but in terms of watchability, I still don't think that's, that's like a big selling point. Yeah, like Radko Gudis is your number three. It's like that was probably fine five years ago or whatever. That's yeah, probably or, not okay now. 
it was fine when you could go act Vlad Uyghur as your top pair who would just massacre people. Yeah, exactly. Like I've often said that the strategy to getting better is to add a bunch of the uh, rebuilding Ottawa Senators that couldn't cut the new age team and Colin White, uh, Rudolph Balsers, and um, I believe Tierney's actually in their minor system right now. But yeah, but like it's just they're still a good team, don't get, and they're still a lot of fun to watch. Like Carter Verhage is still a lot of fun for like a depth name or whatever. Um, obviously, Barkov, Kachuk, Sam Reinhardt, even Patrick Hornquist just kind of getting in and mixing it up as a fun depth addition, but they're nowhere near as stacked as they were last year. For sure. Yeah, it sucks they lost so much depth because they were a ridiculously good offensive team. Yeah, absolutely. So um, then the team I have at eight is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They, they get docked purely because it has become very obvious to me that they have found out how hard they need to try on certain nights in the, in the regular season. They, yeah, they're like a supercharged Penguins team for me in which they're obviously fantastic. If Even if you wanted to like recommend a new fan of team, I'd be like, yeah, that you should definitely tune in to watch Tampa Bay. It's, it's tough to stay super interested in them at this point too. Yeah, exactly. And like if, if this list was just absolute one game peak of what you're going to get from the best of any team, Tampa Bay would still be top three for me, maybe even top one. Like, because when they're on, they're still so much fun to watch them play, like, however you want to play them. Um, but just in terms of the regular season, like, as soon as someone gets an injury, they get shut down, which is the smart thing to do, but it just doesn't make as much fun on an 82 game watchability ranking. Exactly. Because, like, well, we said a few times, smart or like good for the team in general is not always the best for watchability. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, top seven here. I have two more tiers left. This tier, I have three teams in of, uh, I think they're like cup contenders, but I have some questions about them and uh, and questions just even when it comes to watchability. Uh, team at seven here, which I'm not going to lie, I if I was doing this even just before the season started, they probably would have been about three, four spots lower, but that's the New York Rangers. They've been a lot of fun to watch this year. The Rangers have been very fun. And they're another team that's just really interesting right now, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they've got so much hype behind them. And, like, they're fifth right now in Corsi 4 percentage. And I want to say they are around there in expected goals as well. Uh, a little lower. They're eighth. But, like, they're top ten in both of those. And, like, for most teams, I might go, yeah, I don't really care. Like, show me when that means. So, like, you have to do that for a longer period of time. But one of the um, big things with this team, too, was like, oh, when they like actually just got rid of some of their absolute ass depth players at the deadline last year, they were a much better team. And they've kind of carried that over to this year and, again, are being a much better team. So I, I kind of buy into a five-game sample more than I might if it was obviously just like a team that was horrible all last year. Yeah, exactly. And also just from a watchability perspective, like we know that this team needed to just not get murdered at five on five to be a really good team. Like they don't need to be the best XG team in the league to be exciting or whatever. They don't need to be this because they were very, very exciting last year when they kind of sucked at some of this stuff. So if they get better at it, they will be a better team and they just be more interesting in general. Yeah. And like, there, I'll be like honest, there was games last year where you watch them get outshot by like the hurricanes or whatever, 42 to 28 but it was still a fun game because you were just watching Sturkin stand on his head and then the the high-end scoring talent of the um um 
Rangers take over to score a goal or two and keep them in the game. And like from a pure watchability, that is still fun to watch. Exactly. And also it's like when you're talking about like buying into it more, they have, they're like, they could be like a new Winnipeg Jets thing if they don't fix it. We're like, they're just loaded with really good players. So yeah. like, it, I don't know how I look at the roster. And if you told me at the end of the year, they're the ninth best XG team, I'd be like, yeah, that seems like where they should be. Yeah. Cause like even on the decor, it's like Adam Fox, obviously a stud. And then like, they kind of struggle behind that, but like they have Truba who's okay. Like he's a four probably maybe a three, but he's a second pair guy three or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Lindgren's kind of in that same thing, but everyone keeps like projecting K Andre Miller to take that step forward. Well, if he becomes like even just a, a legit two and you have Fox Miller and then Truba Lindgren as a top four, like that's pretty good. And you still have a young defense core of Braden Schneider, Libor Hayjack after that for your depth roles. Exactly. Like there's just, there's a lot of guys there. Yeah. And, Unlike the Kings, I will say, just like betting on the Rangers, a couple of the Rangers' young guys to hit is a little bit sketchier than it should be, mainly because we've seen their development system butcher so many people, but we still shouldn't be surprised if a couple of them pop. Yeah, exactly. And and I would argue that they don't need to pop quite as aggressively as the Kings do to get to that tier because they still have such aggressive high-end talent like without some of those prospects. Exactly. The studs already exist. Yeah, so... Um, and then at six, I have the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm, I'd like, like, this is a fun team. I just, I kind of have a little bit of questions about their depth, especially down the middle. Um, it's uglier than I thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and like, no Pacioretty, I definitely think hurts this team. Uh, they will be a team that come play out or like come close to playoff time will be more exciting because they're going to have a legit like 30 plus goal score back in their lineup. Which will help huge. It sucks too. Like Kasha got hurt as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He, so he could have been a key depth piece. So if you lose him and Pacioretty, like I don't know how exactly they plan on using Pacioretty, but the two of them combined could be like one of the best third lines in the league. Yeah, exactly. But like this is still a good team. Um, I know the the PDO cast wasn't super high on them in terms of they were saying they're like a boring team to watch because they they could use their talents a little more efficiently and like. I don't know. I don't watch all their games, but they were second in Corsi four per or yeah, Corsi four per 60 last year. Uh, and second in expected goals. I want to say four per 60. Uh, yeah. Only behind the Panthers to both who were like a historically good offensive team. So like, to me, like that's a, that's a pretty exciting team to have there. Even if it's not just like as much run and gun as you'd like to to see. That's fair. Was it a, uh, like a dump the puck festival though? Is that I why think, they were it, I think it? it was a bit more of like a chip in, yeah, like chip yeah. and chase with the use your body to go get it, but because they they dumped the puck a really strange amount for the fact that like a they're really talented and b they're famous for everybody is pretty sure their most of their hockey decisions are made by Eric Tulski, who was like the biggest thing he did in the public sphere was talking about the importance of controlled zone entries, and now the yeah. team he oversees is like the king of dump and chase at this point exactly so um yeah but still a very exciting team too right so that's i have them six and then in this tier because you know again a team that i think if i did this two weeks ago might be like six spots lower but they look so good i couldn't keep them that low that's the vegas golden knights vegas looks real yeah like 
and it's it shouldn't be a shock because they had the pieces there. But as we said in their season preview, it was just there was so much that felt like it needed to go right for them to be like top top of the league again. Where it's like I don't want to bet on all that, but so far it has looked like that's the case. Yeah, they look legit. I have money on them to uh, to win the division, and I have their like preseason over. I'm I'm quite happy with those at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a very reasonable thing to be excited about. Um, you know, like Shea Theodore looks like peak Shea Theodore. Petrangelo hasn't looked amazing, but he hasn't looked absolutely cooked either. Um, Mark Stone looks like he's back to great Mark Stone. Um, you know, like this is is a team that it's just the the way they've played so far kind of looks like they're going to be the third best team in the West again, and uh, probably right up there in the cup threat category. Which, which is huge. And also big for Eichel looks good. Yes, exactly. That was the big thing and that I didn't even get to mention, but yeah, like he looks like a franchise number one center. Which is like the, in terms of watchability, that was definitely the most important thing for them coming into the year. Yeah. Um, Bruce Cassie is like Bill Kessel back checking. Uh, if you want to include that in the watchability, just give that man Jack Adams right now. Yeah, I didn't know that was possible. Actually, <laughs> I didn't know it was possible at any point, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, but like it, it's an exciting team. And obviously, goaltending is going to be the biggest question, but Logan Thompson has looked good so far. And I think it was um, Ryan Lambert on uh, Puck Soup podcast that he said, like, the thing about Bruce Cassidy is that his goalies have just always been good or like put up good numbers, right? Despite who he has. So it's like, Maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised that uh, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are just fine. That's <laughs> just doing all right. Yeah. Like they're not, I don't think they're stealing games. But like Logan Thompson has been legit good, but again, it's probably more of a systems thing, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Get some, get some wins. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right. On to the top four. I have these guys in their own tier. Uh, I think you can really order these four in any way you want. Uh, to me, it should be, these are the, or most fun teams, not necessarily the best, uh, but I do think three of them are some of the best in the league. Uh, at four, I have the Calgary Flames. I figured you were going to have Calgary last in this tier, and that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I think, like, again, this is not a shot at Calgary, but they have the least amount of game breakers on of the teams in this tier, which is just kind of crazy to say, given how good their team is. For sure. And I would go as far to say that if this Calgary team had been together for 10 years, I would knock them down a peg. But because, again, yep. there's value in being all new, it's a lot more exciting. Yep, for sure. Um, I also just do like how Daryl Sutter's coached this team in terms of like, even once you get past the like, uh, I mean, obviously last year was Kachuk and uh, um, Goudreau. But this year, even once you get past like Huberto, Kadri, uh, and, you know, Uyghur, like you still have like the Hannafins and Tanevs on the blue line. And then you have Man- Mangiapani. That's fun to watch. Tyler Toffoli's just like plugging away in like a third line here. Elias Lindholm's still fun to watch. Blake Coleman's overpaid, but like Blake Coleman's a good hockey player for a, a bottom six or whatever. Like the team's just watch really... too. He's scrappy. Exactly. Right. The team's just really deep and they play four lines that can actually play like efficient style of hockey, which is not a lot a thing you can say about a lot of teams in this league, and it makes it a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I like this team a lot. Yeah, and like, I don't like their defense. Like, all six of their defense are pretty good, and, you know, maybe not Nikita Zadorov. Like, Michael Stone's their set. Like, it's not perfect or anything like that, but when they're healthy and they can run Anderson Tanev, Uyghur Hannafin, 
and then um, Shillington and Zadorov or whatever on your on your third pair, like that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, they benefit a lot from being like competent everywhere on defense. Yeah, None yeah. of their defensemen are insane at this, like to watch at least. But yeah. And none of them are bad. Like the I was you're not watching Zaitsev. No, exactly. No, no, not at all. Like, yeah, you're not watching a guy who's just treating the puck like an active grenade out there. And like, I would say their depth forwards are kind of the same idea, right? Like, it's not yep. like even Dylan Dubé or whatever. It's not like he's like a star. And then like Milan Lucic, Trevor Lewis are on their fourth line. Those guys aren't going to do anything like incredible, but they're going to be pretty defensively responsible and throw a big hit out there. And same with Mikel Backlund or whatever. Like, and that's all you really need from that line. And that makes what it is still kind of fun to watch. Exactly. And something, I don't know if everyone agrees with this, but I think Calgary's built in a good way for something like this because generally I think depth forwards and defensemen in general, not always you got guys like Makar, but their job is to not like ruin the game. Mm-hmm. Like, like a Zaitsev can make the game horrible to watch, just watching him bomb it off the glass, every other player, whatever. Whereas Calgary's really, really deep and lack players who you like roll your eyes when they're on the ice and then end up playing like 23 minutes a night. Yeah. Like a lot of the real depth players in the NHL, it kind of reminds me of like special teams in the NFL where it's like, you don't need your special teams to win you a game. They just can't be so bad that they lose you. Games. They can't lose it. Exactly. And from a watchability perspective, it's even more extreme. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, Calgary's a four. Again, I think you could argue they could be up a little higher if you want. Uh, these next three teams are really hard. I have the Colorado Avalanche at three, which might sound a little weird to people, but I'll explain my reasoning when I get to the next two teams. Um, obviously, Colorado is a ton of fun to watch. They're starting, I think they will start this year to fall into a little bit of the Tampa mold of like, we know they're the best team. So like the 82 game season to show that is going to be a little bit of a formality, I think. Um but at the same time, if you tune in any night, you're going to see Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon do some crazy shit, and that's a lot of fun. Especially coming off a cup. I think you're definitely right. But, yeah, McCarr is just ridiculous, like we were saying, for the most unique player at their position. If it's not McCarr – or if not Yossi, it's definitely McCarr. Yeah, exactly. Like, McCarr is – in terms of watchability, like, must see, he might be two in the league for me. Like obviously, I don't think anyone's unthrowing unthrowing McDavid, but like, and like Austin Matthews, he's up there as well. But like McCarr also just does so many like random things for his position, and like the way they use, like he's so he's not afraid to pinch in at all. And then honestly, a lot of the ads defensemen are because they know like a Nathan McKinnon is just going to rotate to the blue line that they almost have McCarr playing as a fourth forward, but they don't get caught on hard man rushes because the forwards are so responsible that they kind of hang back a little bit. So enough that they play this four-man press, but it's not four guys below the red line or anything like that. And it's just, like, obviously with Austin Matthews, it's really cool watching him snap a goal home or whatever. But at the same time, it's you can watch other forwards do that, right? Like, obviously he does it better than anyone else. But it's not like it's this absolutely unheard of thing where it's like the way McCarr plays, and, like, honestly, this Avs team is, I don't want to call it revolutionary, but it's very unique, that's for sure. It is very unique. I would also, like... McCarr's way, way, way flashier than Matthews. Yes, 100%. And so even McKinnon, I would say, is almost flashier than Matthews. I think they both are. Because, again, like, Matthews is a better player. 
player than both of them. And it's absolutely insane when you're watching and then you blink and then you miss Matthews has already got a shot off and it's in the back of the net because he's that good at it. But in terms of just like, I don't know, something about the way they, they play is so flashy and so exciting on a play-to-play basis. Yeah, I fully agree. And I am curious to see, you know, I don't think a regular season, it, it's obviously enough of a formality, but with how good the Flames look and even like the Golden Knights look, um, I do think the one seed is going to be something maybe they try and still have to hunt for. Um, but I'm also curious to see how guys like Evan Rodriguez fit into this team. You know, obviously that was a very savvy signing from an analytics standpoint, but can Alex Newhook take a step up? Like that's when the guy they've been expecting and they kind of need him to now that Burkowski's gone as well. Um, you know, obviously a resign Letkin in to try and replace a couple of the guys that they lost. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how some of these new pieces that they brought in or young guys that they've had, can they take that next step to keep them as like a truly dominant team? Because like the past couple of years, they've been so deep. They've been one of the best teams we've ever seen. They, they should be one and every other previous year. But yeah, the, the depth will be the big question mark now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the team I have number two is the Edmonton Oilers. And Edmonton is obviously not as good as a team as Colorado, but that's almost why I have them above Colorado. A, I think that's obviously Mc, McDavid is the most must-watch player, hands down. Drysdale is, yeah, exactly, literally. Like he's, I think he's more must-watch than Sid because like Sid was always so good, but like just technically dominant along like the boards or whatever. Like he was just so strong that he was like. And don't get me wrong, like Sid's top five or whatever must see of our lifetime, or top three probably of our lifetime as well. But like McDavid is so flashy in the way he does it, it's just absolutely insane. Yeah, the McDavid is just really, he's so fast and like he's just electric to watch every single time he touches the puck. Literally. Um, and yet the team being just absolutely dog shit around him makes it more fun because you, you can tell he knows he has to do everything. So, like, on a random <laughs> Thursday night, you might not get Nathan McKinnon or like Mika Ranton having to go so hard because they know their depth or like Kale McCarr or whatever has them covered and they're already up 3 nothing against the Detroit Red Wings. Whereas like there is any given night, the Oilers are just randomly losing to like the Columbus Blue Jackets. And McDavid's like, are you kidding me? I have to skate through four guys and get my third goal or fourth point of the night or whatever just to get us into overtime here. And that makes them so much fun to watch on any given night. And it's also, I don't know if this is worth factoring into analysis, but it's hilarious. No, it's so funny. Like, it really is. It's just watching them and it's like, how is this team not just amazing? And like, granted, I do think that they have better depth this year than they have in years past. Um, obviously, like, you know, the, the way they got Evander Kane isn't great um, by any means, but like just being able to roll Nugent Hopkins on his own third line and like have a pool Yarvi with Nugent Hopkins or whatever makes it a really good third line than like Dylan Holloway, you know, like that's an actual like he's a Warren Fogel. Those, those are actually like fine fourth line players, which I haven't had in years past. But yeah, like just watching how aggressively McDavid and Dreisaitl too have to drag this team around at times is so hilarious. They have to absolutely hard carry in a way that basically no hockey players ever have to. And they're like they're at the point where they're so good, where it's like an absolute rarity to see neither of them get a point. Oh, it's the fact that they're both like that at the exact same time, too. Yeah, like, I'm willing to bet there's probably been less than 10 games over the past three years where if the Oilers scored at least one goal, neither of them had a point, if that makes sense. The fact that, yeah, neither of them doing it is so rare. Yeah, like, there's odd time where it's like, 
the Oilers are going to get shut out or whatever, like that just shutouts happen or whatever. But like, it just feels like it doesn't matter. Even if it's a 7-2 game, the two goals are going to be dry cycle from McDavid on the power play and McDavid on the system. Yeah. Like, so that's why I almost have them ahead of the abs just because of like how aggressive they need to go 82 games a year to win where it's like, yeah, the abs can absolutely take off a Sunday game against Buffalo or whatever. And it's not going to matter. Yeah, they, they can't afford, or the apps can't afford nights off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number one, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, the Sens fan has the least one on his watchability ranking. Uh, as long again, as you're a neutral observer. Yes, exactly. Like, I <laughs> like, I watch more Sens games, and I think the Leafs fans probably agonize over watching the team, much like it is hilarious to watch Edmonton almost not succeed with how good their players is. It is just as funny as the neutral observer to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs inexplicitly melt down against the Arizona Coyotes, knowing that you were going to just get to witness the best takes online uh, because it's happening. Um, and not only that, the difference between me, like Toronto and Edmonton for me too, is like when Toronto has to play the really good teams, they give them an amazing game. Like if Toronto has to play a back-to-back of Tampa, Florida, and then go to Colorado or whatever, I would be more confident in Toronto going 3-0 and in those three games than I would if they played the San Jose Sharks, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of um, like play on Twitter, but because the, like, the Leafs are better against good teams. And as a neutral observer, you're probably not tuning into those Toronto Philly games anyway. So it makes them the perfect watchability team. Yeah, exactly. Like if you know that it's going to be a fun game, like it's, it just, it's so funny. And obviously we had Sean on our podcast last week and that's what he talked about largely as well. But like, and then just even deeper in the team, it's not just like, obviously the narrative, this is a very good team. That's a lot of fun to watch. You know, obviously we already talked about Matthews. He's got to be up there in terms of like, Peak watchability, Marner flying around and passing the puck is so much fun to watch. Tavares looks like he could be back, like truly back this year. I don't know, but like just he's looked much better than he has in the past two years to me already. And if any semblance of that keeps up, that could be disgusting with William Elander. Um, and then he just looked amazing. Yeah. And then their depth to me kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with Calgary, where it's like it kind of has become a problem at times in the playoffs, but like. Even this year, it's just so low event. It's not. It's never going to kill you. I just don't know how much it's going to save you. You know, it's yeah. It's it's fine at worst. It's and not then, unwatchable. Yeah, and then another like piece I want to see, much like Colorado, of young guys coming in. Can Nick Robertson, who had two goals in his debut against Dallas, can Nick Robertson make a legit difference too? Because that would be massive. That would be out. And if Nick Robertson's good, it changes the math completely for this team. Absolutely. Well, like if Nick Robertson is like, even just in terms of good, where it's like you can put him on Tavares's line and you know he's going to score 25 or whatever, it might even give you the ability to bump Nylander down with like a Kerfoot on a third line. Yeah. Or it just Kerfoot up to the second line and play Nylander with like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't want to put Nylander with Yarn but maybe it's like a Pierre Engvall or someone and you try and get a scoring third line to fix that depth, you know? Exactly. Or even just, yeah, because like third left wing, I love bunting, but it's obviously a massive weak point of the team. So if Robertson's good, it becomes something, maybe not a strength, but it's like fine at that point. And it that's fixes, your only flaw. Yeah, I'd say it fixes one of the, I mean, other than goaltending, one of the only question marks that you have. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. You only have two. Yeah, exactly. And like Samson, I was good so far this year too. So that's encouraging. But yeah, and then on the defense, 
they just their whole defense can move the puck. Morgan Maybe Riley, not Justin Hall, but like kind of guy. Riley is way more watchful than he is good. Not yeah, exactly. bad, obviously, but exactly. And like even like TJ Brody, like he's a fun guy to watch in his own end, but he just kind of moves the puck up responsibly. Rasmus Sandin has the upside that you want to watch for. Giordano's again just a nice steady guy that's you know not gonna make too many mistakes, but can move the puck up, which helps move this four core along. So like. Yeah, to me, when you mix in the narrative and just the, the sheer amount of talent this team has, um, they're number one. Again, I think you could argue them one, two, three, four. I don't think you can get much lower than like five or six for Toronto and Edmonton uh, here. To 100%. be honest, like, like you can make the argument for it, but especially uh, the bias of Canadian bias leaks in here a little bit too, because I will also say both Edmonton and Toronto, when it's like the teams are good, and the building is full is a lot of fun to watch on like a Saturday night or whatever. The energy is sweet. I, I love the energy of Edmonton games, which is oh, yeah. really odd, I find, but that's sweet. Calgary too. I find especially when they're playing each other or any Canadian team, really, it is just yeah. rowdy in there in both Calgary and Edmonton. Exactly. And like part of this is gonna be availability bias, but like a, a good Leafs rivalry. Like that Leafs Winnipeg game on last Saturday was fantastic. Yeah, 100 percent So um, yeah, that's that's my ranking. Toronto, Edmonton, Colorado, Calgary, Vegas, uh, Carolina, the Rangers, Tampa, Florida, and then Minnesota rounds out the top 10. Uh, St. Louis, LA Kings, New Jersey Devils, Ottawa Centers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston Bruins, Washington Capitals, Dallas Stars, Vancouver Canucks, and the Detroit Red Wings round out 20. Then it goes Buffalo, Seattle, Montreal, Winnipeg, Anaheim, Columbus, Nashville, the Islanders, uh, Arizona, and then Philly is 30th. And the last two spots are the San Jose Sharks and Chicago Blackhawks. Um, you got anything else other than that, Chase? I think I'm good. I think I am too. It's a good episode, definitely a longer one as well, but uh, figured there wasn't a ton to talk about in terms of like, there's only so much you can obviously dissect from early season trends. So we figured this might be a, a more fun way to do it than uh, just saying, hey, this team looks good. This team looks bad or whatever. So um, this is interesting, but probably doesn't matter. This is interesting, exactly. but probably doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. And so what's nice is over the next, Probably about two weeks from now, we're going to get to the point where it's like, at least we have like 13 to 15 games of data on most teams. It's like, well, we can at least start making some assumptions about teams, whether they're like full, they obviously not all of them will be fully correct, but it's a trend now more than just an outlier. Corsi's predictive peak is 20 games in. Exactly. So we're getting to that spot, obviously. Um, again, as I mentioned last week, we're going to try and get, keep getting some guests on throughout the year. I think that'll be a fun way to break it up and focus on teams as needed as well. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find my pod, uh, my work at lastwordonhockey.com. My other podcast is there and wherever you listen to podcasts, the last word on sense podcast. I'll probably have one out this week at some point. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. You can find chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66 and all his uh, work at action. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all later.